Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message for April 1st, 2021. And as always, click that subscribe button and tap that notification bell so that you see our videos in your feed. And before we get to anything else, I just want to uh, quickly say I did a little thinking last night and uh, I've decided that everything I've been saying on this show is wrong. Um, I've decided to become woke I've decided that I'm gonna become an anti-racist. I've decided that AOC is smart. I've decided that socialism and communism are the best way forward. And I've decided to actively participate in the destruction of the United States. And I hope that you guys will join me in that. That will be the focus of the Rubin Report going forward and my life's work because I believe that identity politics is good I believe that critical race theory is just, and I believe that we should judge people on the color of their skin, not the content of their character. Happy April Fools, everybody. Oh, did you hear that crack? That was a crack. All right, people, uh, we are doing a Q&A today. We got about 100 questions at rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, before we get to that, though, I'm gonna do one quick story the wokesters are coming for uh, Barack Obama. I knew they were coming for him. I've been warning you, Barry, but they're really coming for you. I've been saying they're gonna burn down his library because he you know, ran against gay marriage first time around, but it's even worse. We'll get to that in a moment. Before we do it though, I wanna talk to you guys about Built Bar, not Bill Barr, Built Bar. You know, it's not often that you get to put the words healthy and delicious in the same sentence together. So if you've been struggling to keep that New Year's resolution to get healthier, I'm about to bring you some really good news. It's called Built Bar, and it's the rare item of food that's both healthy and delicious. Built Bar is high in protein and fiber, low in calories and carbs. Each bar contains between 110 and 160 calories, up to 20 grams of protein and only three to five net carbs. So you can do this on keto, if you'd like. And meanwhile, it's made with real chocolate and tastes amazing. This is the kind of snack that's gonna allow you to lose or maintain weight while indulging in something delicious, and that's always a welcome change. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, peanut butter, mint brownie, and a lot more. I know that the Rubin Report community has been loving them. We get people commenting all the time. Don't give up on your resolution. Built Bar is the answer. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Rubin to get 15% off your next order. Use promo code Ruben for 15% off at builtbar.com. I feel like I have to apologize to a few of you who may have thought I was being serious for those 30 seconds. I, you know, I am a classically trained actor. I did take acting classes for like four months back in, when was that, about 2004. Actually, little known fact, uh, Melissa Rausch, who plays Bernadette or played Bernadette in Big Bang Theory, uh, she was a friend of mine from stand-up, years, but we took acting classes together. There's a little something for you. I took them for about four minutes, couldn't, couldn't take it. Actors are pretty unbearable, although I love Melissa. Um, all right, so we're gonna do one story here and then roll right into the Q&A, and we got a, a ton of good questions, and they're sort of all over the map, which I've been trying to you know, break it up from just purely political stuff. Uh, so this is just great, this story, because it's just such a perfect example of how the woke are only here to destroy. They are not here to create. This is not a political movement, meaning they're going to try to build good institutions. They are here to burn everything down, and that's it, people. 
even if they're trying to convince you otherwise. Uh, activists in Chicago are protesting the renaming of a Chicago school because Barack Obama is a quote, oppressor. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this is from Fox News. Wakogans, I think I got the pronunciation right there. Board of Education met Tuesday evening to debate renaming Thomas Jefferson Middle School and Daniel Webster Middle School after it was decided the historical figures either owned slaves or supported slavery. One of the top contenders for Thomas Jefferson Middle School's new name is that of the first black president, Barack Obama, and former First Lady Michelle. But that name is drawing the ire of immigration activists and some in the Latino community. Activists stage a protest outside the board meeting Tuesday. We've got a quote here from Edgar Castellanos, who's a school board member of District 60. He said, I will not be part of renaming a school after someone who did not and does not represent the undocumented community. Uh, Fox News went on to say the Obama administration deported 1.18, 1.18 million people in three years and under Trump about 800,000 were deported in the first three years. So Barack Obama did deport more illegal people than scary orange man. This is just a fact. Now I've been warning you guys and trying to hint to the few and in increasingly less increasingly less uh, amount of sane liberals that they're going to destroy everything. And it was obvious to me, if the progressives of today are here to destroy everything, they will destroy everything of the past. So 20 years from now, the progressives of 20 years from now will want to destroy whatever it is that AOC and Ilhan Omar and the rest of these ridiculous people are trying to accomplish. So of course, when Barack Obama's library goes up, they're gonna say he was against gay marriage. And if they won't have any context of time that that took place in or people evolving politically or religiously or philosophically or whatever it might be, they're going to destroy all these things. Now going after Obama because of uh, immigration, that one doesn't surprise me either. Uh, they could also go after Obama for drone strikes and wars and all sorts of other things. Um, but I really thought they were gonna get him on the, on the gay thing before the immigration thing. But look, these are the rules that you people have set up. And you know, the unfortunate part is that Obama, I think does a very, sort of neither here nor there game, which is sort of similar to what Bill Maher does. And by the way, I would include both of them in not crazy bananas, identity politics, leftism, right? They're both sort of saying liberals. Obviously Obama is way too big government and I think he plays, he plays you know, way too close to the identity politics stuff. So I'm not, I'm not letting him off the hook there. Um, but this, these are the rules you guys have set up, and I guess that school, which, and then the idea that they're gonna change Thomas Jefferson, the founder, one of the founders of the United States. I've told you guys this story a million times, but I've been to his house in Virginia, Monticello, which is basically a museum now, and you take a tour, and the guy, yes, he owns slaves, and he was also writing the laws to free the slaves, and we're all just people of our own time. And if you all wanna be judged by history, the second, that the future says now we gotta change on something. We're all, they're gonna take us all out and they're gonna burn all of our graves and everything else. 
Uh, and when you go on the tour at Monticello, Jefferson's estate, they spend, I would say, a, a, a highly disproportionate amount of time talking about slavery. You could talk about his inventions, you could talk about all of the things he did in land surveying and, and building a country and all the great ideas that he put forth, right? And they do spend some time on that, but I'd say they spend about 75, 80% of the time talking exclusively about slavery. But I guess we should burn down Monticello, burn down Obama Library, yada, yada, yada. All right, guys, let's roll into some Q&A. Uh, Steven says, should we be concerned about all this talk of COVID passports? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, this is deeply dangerous. Look, COVID has over a 99.6% recovery rate. We know that the people who got sick and died, most of them had comorbidities. They were obese and had diabetes. That's not diminishing their loss. It's just a fact. Virtually no young people, children, you know, school-age children have died. In 10 states, I think they reported zero deaths from young children. But in some, I think we did a, we covered this a day or two ago, or I ran some numbers on you guys, but maybe Michael can pull them up while I'm talking, that it was something like 0.0% to 0.16% of young children uh, actually got sick and died, okay? And, and there, things happen in the world, right? Like things, bad things happen. That's not to diminish any of it. The point is, should we be concerned that we, that a year ago we were told two weeks to flatten the curve? And remember, because this is the part they really want you to forget, we all did it. There was no pushback. The crazy libertarians, the scary conservatives, nobody pushed back, we all did it. And they saw how easily we acquiesced and then they just took and took and took and took. Yesterday I covered how finally, I believe in a day or two in Los Angeles, restaurants will be able to open at 50% capacity. It's almost impossible at 100% capacity to run a successful restaurant. So their continued destruction of our economy and everything else, but the passport, the idea, well, first off, if, if it's government mandated, meaning you cannot get on a, you know, do it, you can't go into a federal building or you can't engage in commerce or something like that, then that's deeply dangerous. It's deeply dangerous, right? Like, it's just, Let's just mark people. How about a number on their arm? Would that be good enough for you guys? Like it's just dangerous. But what I think they're gonna do is outsource it to corporations first. So to go to a concert, to maybe open a bank account, to do a whole bunch of weird things, they're gonna outsource it. But it'll sort of be, it won't be the government, right? But it'll kind of be the government because the government and the corporations are kind of in bed together. And that's that. Uh, I got some updated numbers on the, on the kids here. We do things on the fly. 0.07% of COVID deaths have been children and 0.01% have died. That's from AAP. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. So again, these are older people who now are vaccinated. I mean, the other thing is that the vax people seem like the anti-vaxxers right now because Biden's been vaccinated, Kamala's been vaccinated, right? Like, why are they still wearing masks? It's all theater and craziness. I, I hope you can see it at this point, I really do. Uh, Luna says, America seems fragmented beyond repair. Do you think it can still remain intact? Seems to have already broken apart internally. You know, I think the tough part of this is in a weird way, something good is happening here. And I know it's hard to see, but we were set up, you know, guys like that scary Thomas Jefferson, who we should get his name off all the schools, uh, the United States was set up by the founders to be a federalist system so that the states could do most of the stuff. Now we've outsourced almost all of that to the federal government and the federal government just spends and spends and spends. And when a state like California here destroys its own economy, the federal government comes in and bails them out 
And as I've said before, if I was the average guy in Texas or Florida who was paying low taxes, I had voted in the right people and everything else, and then I suddenly realized, but wait a minute, they're, they're given 500 billion dollars or whatever it is to California, which destroyed themselves, I'd be kind of pissed. That being said, the fact that people are, are actually doing what you're supposed to do in America right now, which is move to places um, that are more in line with your values, how you want the government to react, how you want schools to be, the type of community you wanna live in, and, and basically the type of people you wanna be around, I think that's good. Um, I think we have major problems ahead of us. Like what, what are the unifying factors what do we believe anymore? I mean, this is one of the things that the woke, the wokesters have done so effectively. They've, in essence, destroyed our ability to just fundamentally, like, if you think back to politics, just think back to politics 10 years ago, 15 years ago. If you, you had conservatives and you had liberals and they argued about tax rates and they argued about abortion and they argued about foreign policy, but there wasn't this fundamental argument of like, is America f fundamentally evil? Should we upend the entire capitalist democratic enterprise for something else? The wokesters have ushered that in and I don't know that there's enough good people who are brave and strong to stand up against it. I, I see some people, I'm doing what I can. I, I think a lot of people try to do it in their own lives and maybe that's really the only way it can be done. But between the, the corporate mainstream media and the, and the Democratic Party, which are a, you know, just like an evil incarnate now tied together and just lie to us about everything, uh, I think the best thing that you can do, at least at the moment, is, is live around people at the local level that, that are more in line with your values. And, and we'll see, can this thing hold? I mean, look, if half the people, if the wokesters keep multiplying like gremlins being thrown into water, well then, if half the people think this thing is bad, fundamentally bad, and they keep wanting to let more and more people in to tell them how bad it is, which is very odd to me, you, if something was so horrible, you'd be like, get, get out, let's go. Um, well, then we got a real problem on our hands. So I'm not really sure, but as you guys know, I am a world weary optimist and I really do believe we can fix this. It's just gonna, it's gonna take a little work, guys. Uh, Storm says, it's easy to rag on people you don't like, but hard to give praise when deserved. Do you foresee anything good coming out of the current administration? God, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I'll really try to rack my brain right now. Like, I don't. Uh, what? Like, what? You know, this was this was the Faustian bargain that the good, decent liberals made. They thought if we could just get rid of Trump, that just removing that monster will make things calm down. Like, that was what I heard from people. It wasn't about the policies. It wasn't any of those kind of things. It was just like, let's just remove Trump and then things can, we can breathe a little. We'll be able to fight them back a little bit more. Like it'll be a little bit calmer. It's like, do you think anything's calmer right now? Do you think anything feels better? Like it feels faker. I would say it definitely feels faker. They've been able to, you know, sort of have this umbrella on top of everybody where you can't really see the truth. Uh, but you know, the George Floyd murder trial is happening right now in Minneapolis, and I'm pretty sure there's gonna be massive riots, and that's exactly what the, the wokesters and the media want, and really the Democrats, that's what they want. I don't think that's like a real over-the-top statement to say that sort of thing. Um, so do I see anything good coming out of this administration? Look, they've put critical race theory back into the institutions. They're, they're doing all the woke stuff, we all get that. Um, I think they're reversing, you know, we're trying to get back into the Paris Climate Accords and doing reversing a lot of the, the huge wins that the Trump administration had internationally, especially in the Middle East. Like there's just like a lot 
of weird stuff. So is there anything good coming out of this? I guess if there's a couple random Democrats out there that feel a little bit better and are maybe being a little bit nicer at the moment, I guess that would be, but I don't know who those people are. So I'm, I don't know, I, I will try, I will try. Actually, I would love to know your, your answers on this, guys. Um, please, in the comment section below, uh, or if you really want me to see it, join us at rubenreport.locals.com. But let me know, like, what do you think, what is good? What policy, you know, with a $2 trillion spending bill, raising taxes on everybody, the border surge, like, do you think they're doing anything better with COVID? Like, what? I I really would love to know. I I honestly just don't know. Uh, Sally says, which influential lefty would you love to see red-pilled? I mean, the obvious answer is Bill Maher. It's like, and I know that the Bill Maher people are watching this show. I know you guys watch, it's okay, it's cool. Look. Bill is obviously been red-pilled. He is a free, he's a libertarian. He wants to smoke pot and probably bang hookers and enjoy himself, and that's all fine. He's great on free speech. Bill's problem is that he has been in Hollywood forever, and I would gladly discuss this with you, Bill, or Bill's people that are watching. He's been in Hollywood forever. He's been fighting for the Democrats and the left forever. He donated a million dollars to, to Barack Obama's campaign to stop scary Mitt Romney. Remember that? When Mitt Romney, could he had a binder full of women, he hates women. Um, he went all in on the Democrats and his audience is so lefty that I think he's afraid of actually, dare I say, making the move that I and many other sane lefties have made, which is, it doesn't mean you're a Republican. I don't consider myself a Republican, but I'm certainly not a Democrat. And he's there, he's there because he gets it on what they're doing to education. He just repeats all the things that I've been saying for the last couple of years on his show all the time, right? And even when he had Ben Shapiro on, it was fairly obvious that he agreed with Ben on a lot of stuff. And we had Jordan Peterson on, it was obviously obvious that he agreed with him on that. And even just the other night, we just played the clip a day or two ago um, when Heidi Heitkamp, the former Senator from South Dakota called Gina Carano a Nazi, he pushed back on that, even though he wasn't even sure what he was talking about. But I would love to see him be red pill because I think he, as I said yesterday, he's sort of the airlock for the mainstream liberals that can't quite get what's going on, the ones that don't watch YouTube or pay attention to podcasts. And it's like, man, in essence, Bill, you're a libertarian, which you, you love America, Bill. I know you love America, but your answers seem to still all be that the Democrats are somehow better and the Republicans are racist. My final point on this rant would be he had uh, Adam Schiff on and, Adam, and he's asking Adam Schiff, why are all my friends like Joe Rogan moving out of California? Like, are we not business friendly here? And, it's, and Adam Schiff's like, oh yes, we are business friendly, but we're not. We have crazy regulation, crazy taxes, and a guy like Joe Rogan who signed a $100 million deal, which I've heard is worth way more than $100 million, and supported Bernie, he left California because of taxes. So, so Bill, you've gotta understand, if you keep voting these people in, you keep supporting Democrats who then destroy your state. Bill, I know you live in LA, you're seeing the garbage and homelessness and drug use everywhere, so, all right, I think I made my point. Uh, Gift of Cookies says, what do you feel are the differences between classical liberals and libertarians? I get this question probably more than, it's like top three uh, when I do live events. Only did one live event last year, but I will announce something uh, momentarily. Um, In essence, I would always say that the simple version of this, because usually when most people listening, if you're not familiar with all the terms, you go, oh, Dave's a libertarian. He believes in individual rights. He wants low taxes, government out of the way. I would say the, 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 True libertarians, I love going to libertarian events. I love talking to libertarians. And it always gets whittled down to should we have, 
driver's licenses? Should we legalize meth? And a whole bunch of other stuff. And there's great intellectual exercises there. And by the way, you can take the libertarian thing really down that far road and end up as an ANCAP. And you guys know Michael Malice, who I call the Willy Wonka of politics, is one of my favorite guests, a good buddy of mine. And I love having that philosophical debate. I think classical liberalism gives just enough, like the lightest touch of government possible to allow the markets to work, to allow people to be free, to allow states to have rights, to allow all of us to be treated equally and all of those things. So, you know, one of the things that I used to say, I used to say, and this one's, it's starting to change, which is that the, the state has a role in public education. I, I went to public schools my entire life, including college, and I got a good, a pretty good education, I'd like to think. But now if you're going to be infected by the ideas of critical race theory and everything else, then should the state have any right in that? And by the way, that's the state, the libertarians basically don't want that. They want as much school choice as possible. You know, there's this new idea and I had Corey DeAngelis and a couple other people on my show on the panel on Friday where we talked about this, the idea of funding students, not systems, because obviously we know that the teachers unions are way too powerful. So the idea is you would give X amount to the student and then they could figure out what school they wanna to go to. We could do more charter schools and everything else. By the way, the Democrats hate charter schools. Elizabeth Warren's completely against charter schools. Sends her kids to private school, but you know, she, that's, uh, well, she's also a fake Indian, so you know, it's a lot there. But in essence, I don't think that there's a major difference between classical liberals and libertarians anymore. If, if you consider yourself a classical liberal, you're basically, you're right there with libertarians. Whatever your little political disagreements are, are completely irrelevant. And I would say, again, you're sort of on the, you're part of the now widening tent on the right. Glenn says, have your views on Christianity changed as your political views have changed? Yeah, I, absolutely. Well, first off, I've had some great Christian thinkers and, and Catholic thinkers here in, in my, well, not here in this studio, but in my, in my old studio. Uh, Ravi Zacharias probably stands out as, as the top one to me personally. But I would say, um, you know, about two years ago, I went and I spoke at Liberty University, which is the largest evangelical college in the United States, founded by Jerry Falwell, it's run by Jerry Falwell Jr. now, or I think he's still running it, I'm not quite sure. He, had, he got into some hot water too, is what it is. Um, but I spoke at their invocation, their Sunday event, in front of 14,000 people. Uh, oh, I'm being told that Falwell is now out at Liberty, okay. Uh, but I spoke at their invocation, 14,000 people. It, was, it felt like a true political rally. To give you a sense of what 14,000 people is like, I'm sure many of you have seen the, video, or the videos or the pictures I've posted when I was on tour with Jordan Peterson all over the world. We did usually three to 4,000 seat theaters. I think the biggest one we did was about 6,500. So 14,000, absolutely massive. Their Sunday uh, convocation, it's called. And, um, and I spoke. And they knew I had some political differences with them. I actually brought it up and I got a standing ovation and I spent the rest of the day wandering around campus and I was taking selfies with kids and they were coming up to me and hugging me and wanted to ask questions and everything else. And whatever differences we had, either philosophically or politically, it just didn't matter. So if you listen to mainstream media, somehow it's the evil Christians that are so mean and the white people and, and you know, it's always the evangelicals are the worst because they somehow supported Trump and blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I find Christians, generally speaking, I find Christians to be open, decent, warm, loving. Actually, every time I'm in Florida, I meet, I meet an awful lot of Christians and they're good, they're just good people. I don't know, that, you know that's a blanket statement at some level, but I, so I would say, um, I would say when I've talked to somebody like Ravi Zacharias, I got a really, um, I got a really profound holistic view of the world that, that encompassed both philosophy and politics. And that's what I'm, um, 
interested in or, or say belief philosophy and politics. So there you go. Uh, Vince says, what do you think will be the breaking point for woke supremacy? I mean, this is the billion dollar question. Like what will they do that will eventually destroy the entire thing? And then will they have destroyed all of Western society at the exact same time? I mean, look, if, if it's not enough for somebody like Barack Obama to realize that he's in hot water with these people as per the, the story that I led with, then I don't know. I don't know what it will be. You know, I just retweeted Ben Shapiro this morning because you know there's this whole new meme out there that we should have equity in sports, meaning equity pay in sports. And I covered the Megan Rapinoe story the other day. Um, and yes, although she is a, a US soccer star, her team did get beat by the under 15 boys team, but that she's not getting paid enough. You know, this is a woman who's a star who has no doubt tons of money because of endorsements and everything else, but she wants everybody to think that she's a victim. It's very important. So Shapiro tweeted this morning because Biden was, uh, did an ESPN interview and he was talking about equal pay, pay equity in sports. And he's basically saying, yeah, I think we should have it. So, okay, so if, if you guys are into this, and LeBron, I'm talking to you directly, LeBron James, I know you're into the woke thing, and I know you won't criticize China, but you love criticizing the United States. Well, let's, let's do it. I mean, don't just say it, you gotta show it, man. So I don't know what you make. You probably make about 100 million a year if you take whatever your contract is. I'm guessing, see what he makes per year. I'm guessing his contract's probably 30 million. Can we check on that? Uh, I'm guessing about 30 million a year in the NBA, plus the endorsements are pretty bananas. Let's say he makes about 100 million a year. Well, no NBA player <laughs> makes anything remotely close to that. Let's, let's equify the situation, right? Like, let's start splitting it up. Like, stop just putting, saying stuff, like, get out there. LeBron is on a two-year contract extension right now. So this is just his NBA contract alone, worth $85 million, okay? So he's making over $40 million a year. That's just that, like think of the shoe contracts, the TV contracts, he's in that new movie, like oh, the crazy, the investments, all that stuff. I think we need a little equity, LeBron. Don't just tell me how evil America is and Black Lives Matter and don't say anything about China. Like, let's pay the girls, let's pay the ladies, man. Uh, Kevin says, you hinted earlier this week about an upcoming visit to New York. Can you reveal more details or is this a highly classified and top secret recon mission? All right, I will tell this. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to tell it, but don't tell anybody. If I tell you guys right now, maybe don't say anything to anybody. Uh, I am going to New York City for a couple days next week, early in the week. Uh, that Greg Gutfeld guy, my buddy Greg Gutfeld, uh, who is doing, who's really great. You know, you know, I talk about how Bill Maher is sort of the airlock between the online world and the, and the mainstream world, but I, I do, for all the reasons I just mentioned, I think that's sort of disappearing. I think Gutfeld is kind of like right there. He gets internet culture, and yet he is a mainstream Fox News guy. But he's right there at that very interesting sort of, you know, if you look at it like this, like an A-frame, he's right there and can really get both sides of it. Um, anyway, he's getting a five night a week talk show and on Monday it debuts, Dave Rubin is one of the guests on the debut of Gutfeld with an exclamation point. That's the name of the show, Gutfeld with an exclamation point. And then actually, um, because as crazy as this sounds in the year of this COVID lunacy. I actually had not seen my parents. I have not seen my parents this entire time uh, because it took a long time for them to, to get vaccines and there were some other complexities there. Uh, so I will finally be seeing my parents. I actually haven't seen my brother and my sister-in-law and the kids. So I'm gonna spend a, a couple of days with family too. Maybe I'll do some videos from New York 
Um, and if I just blew the Gutfeld surprise, I apologize to Gutfeld with an exclamation point. Clyde says, this is not Clyde the dog, I don't think, unless he's in the community too. Uh, Clyde says, are you still working on a locals bundle where we can subscribe to multiple sites for a single charge? We absolutely are. It's seriously complex for many, many reasons because you need to get all of the creators on board like, okay, if we bundle you, you'll take a little bit less. Maybe you'll get a little bit if you help promote somebody. So there's a couple models that we're really working through. Um, by the way, on the Locals community on Friday, I posted some seriously awesome information that we haven't quite gone public with yet. Uh, and thank you guys all for the kind words on that. Like some really great, great stuff is happening. And uh, I think I'll announce one more thing in a further question that we're gonna get to in a moment. Trish says, do you believe dumping Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the way to stick it to them or should we still try our best to continue to speak truth on these platforms in relation to the current population reach? I would say you stay there. Well, look, look what I'm doing. I guess I'll give it to you from my perspective. Um, and I get that not everybody's a, a content creator or whatever, but my feeling is I wanna be on all of these platforms as long as I can be on them while I build locals. That's, that's what I believe the future of the internet is, that everybody, right now we're building these locals communities mostly for creators, but I think everyone deserves and should have a digital home online that is theirs. The way Facebook was supposed to be, that you were supposed to have a Facebook page that was yours, and in effect, you would own it and control the data and all of those things. But of course, you don't get any of those features with Facebook, it's all theirs. What Locals is doing is building these things so it's your video, it's your audio, it's your feed, it's your communication, all of that stuff, and we help you monetize it and everything else, okay. Um, but at the same time, I do think you have to leverage those platforms for as long as possible, and I don't wanna seed all the ground. That, I think, is really what your question is is like, should we get off these things because we know they're not good, we know they're using our data against us and all of that. Like there's legitimacy there for sure, but if we keep seeding ground, um, is that just strengthening the beast? I'm not totally sure what the answer to that is because you know, if enough of us just left, if enough of us were just like, you know what, tomorrow, like let's everybody get off Facebook tomorrow. Like an, everyone non-woke. Right, so that's probably 250 million Americans. But let's say we could only get half of them, that's 125, and we can only get half of them, you know, that's uh, 70 or whatever, no, 65, something like that, 64. Um, we could only get half of them, and then 30 of them forgot their passwords, now we got 30 million. Well, if 30 million people walked, that would be something, right? And it would show them that things need to change. But all that being said, I can tell you, as Locals is continuing to grow, there is, a solution coming, not a solution. There are many solutions coming and I'm just thrilled that I'm a little piece of it. Uh, Ashlyn says, when will you be doing live shows again? Okay, so we just found out this morning. I was supposed to be doing a whole bunch of live stand-up shows uh, in April, but then because of routing and just some of the rules that were changing and everything else, we decided to shelve it. We didn't have enough time to promote but I will be doing about six live stand-up shows all throughout Florida in June, probably from like the 10th to the 20th. We're trying to get those dates. We'll have them for you soon. I have no doubt that we're gonna sell out every show. I'm gonna do meet and greets. I'm gonna high five you. I'm gonna shake your hands. I will hug a few of you. I know a lot of people want it. They always wanna touch me. People can't believe we're real people. They just wanna poke or touch or something. Um, but we'll, we'll do all that good stuff. Maybe I'll bring some special guests, uh, but I can't wait to, to get out there to sunny FL. Uh, Kyle says, did you win or lose a chess? And if you won, did you cheat? So uh, if you don't know what Kyle's referring to, um, David got a very fancy chessboard. He was away for a couple of days at his brother's and they were playing chess. So he got this really cool modern chessboard and I posted a picture of it on the community and I admitted, 
and this is true, I have never played chess. I'm quite good at checkers, quite good at checkers. Used to play checkers with my grandma all the time. She was better than me, uh, but I've actually never played chess. I have not played yet. The, the week was pretty hectic this, this week, uh, but this weekend I'll finally have a little time and I will let you know how it goes. And you know, we had one other question that I think maybe we dumped about, uh, about something, about some business thing, that thing about the business thing. All right, I'll just, I'll just do it anyway. Um, yes, people uh, related to locals and everything else since I tweeted it out last night. Uh, we are moving locals to Miami. That's where everybody is moving the entire tech world. A couple of you asked some version of this question, like what's going on with locals in Miami and Florida and business and all that stuff. Uh, I believe you gotta put your money where your mouth is. So locals will be moving down to Miami, um, we are going, look, there's tax reasons to do it. The entire Silicon Valley crew is moving there. So the, the network effect and all of that stuff, it, it's all blowing up down there. So I actually tweeted it out uh, yesterday because uh, Anthony Pompliano, uh, who's an investor and, and a Bitcoin guy, uh, he had tweeted out something about how founders should move to Miami. I was like, all right, seems like the right time to tweet it. So I retweeted him. And then the mayor of, uh, of Miami retweeted me. So there's a lot going on, obviously, in Florida and Miami. As for other life decisions, uh, we'll talk, we'll talk, you know what I mean? Guys, part two of my interview with Janice Dean is up right now on YouTube. And of course, the full episode is up over at Ruben Report locals.com uh, and I'm incredibly excited tomorrow uh, because we are now in the midst of Passover and about to roll into Easter weekend. I will have Bishop Robert Barron and Rabbi David Wolpe on and we'll talk about meaning, we'll talk about the importance of stories, we'll talk about the significance of both Passover and Easter and probably much more, but hopefully not too much in the political arena. Uh, that's it for now and uh, oh, we're doing a little team, we're doing a little Ruben Report team workshop tonight. We're all going to be watching Godzilla together with pizza. Maybe we'll send a picture. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.